Let's open to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Um, my prayer for this book is that God would just do something in our hearts and lives with joy. Keep that in mind. That's the, that's the key word for the whole of the book, that, he, that God wants to do something in us, like we saw in the first uh, section there in verse 6, that you know, he's begun a good work in us, and he wants to carry it on to the day of completion, uh, carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And he wants to do something in us, but there's something about joy in life. And that's what my prayer is for me, not just for you, but for me as well, that we would kind of see what God is saying and what Paul had experienced and what Paul uh, could share and teach with us by the Holy Spirit, uh, anointing those words that he gave to us. All these trials, we looked last week at the trials and the chains that Paul uh, had undergone, all that he went through and all that had happened to him, and, and Paul saw it that it all was working together for good, right? That God was going to use it in some way, somehow. Everything that he had gone through. He says, he says there in, uh, in verse uh, uh, 12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. And he goes on and mentions a, a number of other things, that, that advancing the gospel happened because of what he had to go through the things that he had to suffer, even the, the chains that he was chained up. And it really began, uh, as we remember in Acts chapter 16, when he was in Philippi and he was down in that dungeon. He was chained in that deepest part of the prison there. Um, and, and God used him to speak to the jailer. And, and also, not the jailer, but all the other people that were in, you know, locked up in there with him. And, and so Paul could say, without any doubt, that the things that had happened to him that God was using in one way or another. In this particular section, he was talking about it to advance the gospel, to open up the way for the army, to, to clear the field so the army could march forward. And then he talks about you know, that, that others would be able to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. I think that's, a, that's a, something that, that God wants to do with you and I as well, to give us more courage and, and take away fear. So he saw that there were some that had good motives and some that, were, that had bad motives. But, but in it all, Paul says in there in verse 18, he says, What does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. He rejoiced that Jesus was being preached and, and, and kind of let God deal with the motives of people's hearts. God's going to deal with each one of our hearts when we stand before him and, and let him deal with that and let him work on us even now. We, we each have to you know, pray and, and say, God, make me pure and cleanse me and, and wash me and that my motives might be uh, what you want them to be. And we all have to kind of keep an eye on that and, and pray about that on a regular basis. But the trials and the chains and the troubles that Paul went through, he says, all things work together for good to them that love God to them that are the called according to his purpose. So today we're going to pick it up there in the, last, the second half of verse 15, where Paul says, yes. He says, yes. Did you notice that? Can you all say yes? yes. See, he's very positive. You know, he's, he's positive without trying to be positive. He just is positive. And he says, yes. We could just preach on that for like an hour, I think. Well, we couldn't, but I could. 
But if I just got you stirred up and you're saying yes, and we're all saying yes, and we're walking out of here, we're saying yes, and everybody's going yes. But I think there's something in that. There's something in the, in the fact that God wants us to be saying yes, not walking out going, no, oh, bummer, down, out of it. That doesn't mean all our troubles and trials and, and stuff are going to go away, right? But to say yes in the middle of them, he's saying yes, he's in house arrest, he's chained to guards, and he's saying yes. But look what he says, yes, and I will continue, what? To rejoice. I will continue to rejoice. And that, that kind of tells me when I read that, the way he says it, I says, because of this I rejoice, and yes, I will continue to rejoice. It's kind of like he's making a choice to do that, right? I think. He's making a choice. That I can choose to rejoice or I can choose to be on a bummer. Now, it wasn't just a, a positive confession kind of choice. It was a choice based on his faith in Jesus Christ, his faith in what God was going to do in the future, that, that, that all things did work together for good. He based his, his decision to rejoice on, on facts, the facts of, that God had, had revealed to him through his word and, and by his spirit. But it was a choice. And, and kind of for Paul, it was like this. It was like, no matter what happens, I choose and I'm going to rejoice. No matter whether it's life or whether it's death, I will continue to rejoice. And you'll see why I say life or death, because that's what he talks about in these next few verses. He says there in verse uh, 19, Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. The next verse he talks about life and death. We'll get to that in a minute. He says there, though, I will continue to rejoice, for I know, for I know there are certain things that I know, certain things that, that give me that region, reason to rejoice. And in, the, in this verse here, there are two things, there are two things that he had. Did you, did you see what they were when we read that? Anybody tell me what those two things were? Prayers, number one, someone said it. What else? The second thing. The help given by the Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Two things here. See, this is what we call um, inductive Bible study. When you look at it and you ask, well, what does it say? And then we say, what does it mean? And then how does it apply to my life? We don't just read it. And that's why I want you to you have your Bible there in front of you and you read it and you see something and maybe God is going to speak something to your heart through His Word. But those two things that he, that he talks about there are just absolutely crucial. And, and Paul, this is again part of what's going through his mind when he's writing these words, when he's dictating them in front of the, the praetorian guard and, and to his uh, person that's writing them down, who's he, it's like a secretary who's writing these things down for him. He says, I know that through these two things that, that they will turn out for my deliverance. No matter what happens, and see, for him, deliverance is life or death. We'll get to that in a minute. But these two things, the first one is prayer. Paul, in the first part of the chapter, he prayed for them. You remember that? He prayed for them, that their love would superabound. You remember that? And, and, and depth of insight and discernment and knowledge. And, and he prayed for them. But now Paul is not afraid to say that he, need pray, he needed prayer too. The great apostle Paul is not afraid to say, listen, I, how am I going to make it unless you pray for me? 
One man said this. He said, Paul was never too big a man. I really like this quote. Paul was never too big a man to remember that he needed the prayers of his friends. He never talked to people if he could do everything. He never talked to people as if he could do everything and they could do nothing. He always remembered that neither he nor they could do anything without the help of God. When people are in sorrow, one of their greatest comforts is the awareness that others are bearing them to the throne of grace. They're praying for you. When they have to face some back-breaking effort or some heart-breaking decision, there's new strength in remembering that others are remembering them before God. When they go into new places and are far from home, it's an upholding thing to know that the prayers of those who love them are crossing continents to bring them before the throne of grace. He said, we cannot call a man our friend unless we pray for him. Paul said, you know what, how am I going to make it? And he says, I know I'm going to make it because you're praying for me and, and I need your prayers, you see. That's why we pray for one another. That's why you need somebody that you can call up and say, listen, you know, and it, it doesn't need, you don't need to broadcast it to 100 people, but to one person even. Hey, you know what, I'm, I'm, I've got this thing coming up tomorrow. Can you just pray for me? i got this surgery that's going to happen. I've got this trial. I, I can't, you know, I don't have uh, what I need to... to pay the rent this month, whatever it might be, whatever kind of struggle and trial, to, to let someone know, someone you trust, say, you know what, you pray for me, and to know that they're praying for you. Now, of course, on the other side of that is we need, if somebody asks us to pray for them, we should probably pray for them, right? Oh, yeah, you know, uh, can you pray for me? Okay, yeah, yeah, what? Okay, and then we walk away and we never pray for them. I find it, especially in, in some cases, you know, if, if you're like there together and they say, listen, I got this thing happening, can you, you know, remember to pray for me? I find the best thing for, the, for that moment is to pray for them right then, so because I may forget five minutes later. And then after it's all said and done, I go, oh, man. I and, then, and then they tell you how it went, and you go, yeah. And you go, like, pretend like, you know, they're not going to realize that you never really prayed for them. You know, the power of prayer and the encouragement of prayer, to have others praying for you and to, to know it and to feel it, that's incredible. I know I've been through trials and I just know, I just could sense there's somebody praying for me and I, I might not even know who it is. But I know that someone's praying for me and, and that gave Paul joy. I want you to turn, uh, turn back to uh, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This is such a huge point. We may, may never get to the whole message, but there, there, there's so many uh, facets just in these few verses we're looking at today. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and verse 8. That's back like three books. <clears throat> he says in verse 8, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered. He's talking hardships, suffering in the province of Asia. Look, look the way he describes this. I have read these verses so many times and, and how, many, how many times I've related to them. He says, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. This is Paul the Apostle saying this. So that we despaired even of life. And indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. 
he, he saw good out of that. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm learning something through this. And that, this is, this, Paul believed this with all his heart, that God can use everything and anything to work in us. He says, this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Verse 10, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to, live, to deliver us. And this is the part here we get to in verse 11. How? As you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted to us in answer to the prayers of many. See, it wasn't just that he was learning through it, but he knew there were people that were praying for him that, that were behind him in prayer. To, to, uh, to have people praying for you back in Philippians chapter 1, Paul knew that this was absolutely crucial. I'll, I will continue to rejoice. I know that through your prayers, good things will happen. Deliverance will come. No matter what. Good or negative, if, if people are praying for you. I, I, I covet your prayers. I need your prayers. I, I can't do anything. I can't fulfill what God's called me to do without you praying for me. You know, and not that I'm in any special you know, position or anything like that, but, but sometimes you kind of feel like you're a target. You know, when you stand up in front of people, you're like a target. And I'm not talking about the store. You're just like a target when, when, when the enemy wants to fire on you. And, and, and you know what? Sometimes it's hard. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes it's hard. And you say, well, if I could just take care of myself, if I could just, you know, kind of get my own life together and, and not think about anything else and not, you know, think that I, you know, need to, you know, have something to say that, uh, that would encourage people, that would help people. And the enemy comes along with a big giant hammer and he's starting to hammer and, and, and that. And, and I need prayer. I need prayer for that. I get down just like you. I'm, that's why I say I related to that passage in 2 Corinthians. Like, to just get to the place where you despair even a life. Like, how am I going to even get through this thing? I'm just being honest with you. I need, I need your prayers. I need your encouragement. I'm, I'm just human like anybody else. So please, when you think about Sunday coming up, pray for me. Uh, you know, my mentor, uh, one of my uh, mentors, Bill Kinneman, would say, you know, he would be in our fellowship whenever he could. But if he was going to be away, he'd say, you know what, I'm not going to be here next Sunday, but I'll pray for you and you pray for me. He said that every time. You pray for me and I'll pray for you. I confess I didn't always remember to pray for him. I'm being honest. I'm not sure if he remembered to pray for me. I'm going to say he did because he's awesome. So, praying for one another. Number two, he says, the help given by the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, without the Spirit's help in our lives, without the Spirit of God, what can you and I do? What can we look forward to? We can't be afraid of the Spirit of God. We can't, you know, say, well, that's for another time. We need His Spirit right now, here, living in us. We are a temple of the Spirit. And apart from Him, we can do nothing. And, and to live... For Christ to serve Jesus, to overcome, we cannot do it. We can't rely on ourselves to do it. We need God's Spirit in us. We need people praying for us, but we also need God Himself within us, helping us. We can't do it without Him. The help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Some translations call in, this, this, in the book of John the helper that would come. 
after Jesus rose to heaven, the spirit of Jesus Christ. Of course, I use those terms interchangeably because, because we're talking one God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they are one. Jesus said, when you see me, you've seen the Father. Uh, I and the Father are one. Well, well, the Spirit of God and Jesus and the Father, they are all one. You find those terms used uh, interchangeably in the Scripture. Look at verse 20. He says there, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, notice, whether by life or by death. Christ will be exalted. Look at some of the positive words there. He started this passage, we looked at with the word yes, and then he talks about rejoicing, and he talks about prayers and the help, but he says, I expect, I have expectations, I have hope. I have sufficient courage, enough courage for the day, he says, to face whatever is ahead, whether it's life or death. And, and Paul, at this point in time, I don't think he knew exactly what it was going to be at that particular time. There would come a time, and 2 Timothy tells us, you know, when he knew that his time was just about over. He didn't know at this point in time what his life or death situation was going to be, but he desired that Christ would be exalted, that Christ would be magnified in his life. See, for him, it was all about Jesus, wasn't it? And again, the, the, uh, the word for joy, J-O-Y, Jesus always coming, coming first, that Jesus was, was exalted. And, and some translations use the word magnified. That's probably closer to an understanding that Jesus was magnified, whether by his life or by his death, that it was magnified. And like a magnifying glass makes something, what, appear larger, right? And a telescope magnifies something that's far away and brings it closer, that, that people would see Jesus larger and closer looking at us. Jesus magnified, whether by life or by death, whether we die or, or whether we live. Paul said in Romans 14, if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. But verse 21 really is the summary of, of this he says in verse 21, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ and to die is gain. You see, you think, well, you can't memorize scripture. Well, you can memorize that right now. Take five seconds. To live is Christ, to die is gain. You have it right there. You're, you're a Bible scholar right now. You've memorized scripture. But that's only the first part of it, isn't it? Knowing what it says and knowing what it means and then applying it to your life. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Man, I've been just, that, that, that's been going through my head all week and, and, I, and, I, and I want to encourage you to like think about that. To live is Christ. For Paul, it was kind of a summary of his life, his philosophy, but to live is Christ. Let's look at the first part. What does that mean? What does it include? To live is Christ. That life is Christ, that life is Jesus. It's not a force, though, but it's actually a person. The NIV study Bible said Christ was the source and the secret of Paul's continual joy. For Paul's life found all its meaning in Christ. Jesus 
says in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But what did Jesus say about himself? He said, I have come, what? That they would have life and have it to the full or have it abundantly. Let me read that to you again. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's what he came to do, to let us have full life. To live is Christ. You see, you know, when I, when I read those words, I have to say, whoa, not just with the worship team, whoa, 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 I got to say it to myself, help, is that really where you and I are at? To live is Christ. Can you walk around saying to live is Christ? We want to jump ahead to the die is gain part. We kind of get that. But what about, let's stop at the to live is Christ. Can you walk around and say, man, my life is, my life is full of Jesus. To live, to really live is Christ. You know, you can put the emphasis on dis- different words. To live is Christ. To live is Christ Jesus. I want you to think about that this week. I want you to just to meditate on that. To live is Christ. Four words. He says, for to me, to live is Christ Warren Wearsby kind of puts it like this. He says, you can fill in the blanks. For me to live is blank, to die is blank. You can fill it in, whatever it might be for you. He says, you know, for me to live is money. To die is to leave it all behind. For me to live is fame. To die is to be forgotten. For me to live is power. To die is to lose it all. I wonder what it is for you and for me. To live is, what would you put in that blank for you, for your life? To live is NASCAR. To live is the Patriots. To live is food. To live is money. To live is whatever it might be, a relationship. We've we've got all kinds of things we can put in the blank. But there's no joy. The the true joy that he's talking about here is not going to come from that stuff. I, I hate to tell you, and I like some of those things a lot. I won't put them in order or anything, but. <laughs> but you know what? I, when I thought about this, before I even saw what Warren Wiersbe's uh, list was, what, what, I, what I came up with is that we are kind of default. What we go to, to live is me. Right? Isn't that our default? To live is me. My way, my plans, my life, my money, my, 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 me, me, me. To live is me. And that's what our default, that's where we go back to our sinful nature. You know, we live in the, in the sinful body. We've got to fight against that. A spirit. When we're born again by the Spirit of God, it's, it's Jesus. But we still kind of default back to that. And we've got to fight against that. Know that to live is Christ. It's not me. It was me. I was on the throne. But now Jesus is on the throne. And he's got to be the one that I live for. Because when, when, when it's to live is me, and to die is just loss. Especially if, if we're not born again, it's completely separated from, from hope, separated from Christ, from God for eternity, if we're not born again and, and we haven't given our lives to Jesus Christ. I, I, I read this quote, and it, it made me think. And, and again, the, the idea is not for us to, to be... Um, depressed about what Paul is saying here, but it's, it's to be impressed and to be encouraged that, that maybe this is something I need to think about for my own life. 
But he said this, he said, very few of us Christians could say with Paul's conviction for me to live as Christ. If we experience this as a transforming joy, a life-bearing truth, we would not be so generally passive about it. You know what I mean by that? You know what he means? Do people kind of see it? No, we're kind of like to live as Christ, but they would never know it. Because we're, it really isn't true. Let's not pretend to be something that we're not. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying just confess it, you know, positive confession, that's what it is. I'm saying let's, let's, let's ask God to really do this thing in us, to live as Christ. No matter whether we're locked up, no matter we're, we're in, in a prison cell, no matter whether we're, you know, on the top of the world or on the bottom of the world, to live as Christ. To live as Christ. I could just stop there and we just could, could leave it there, but, but we want to look at some of the rest of the things that he's saying here. But I want you to think about that, and I've been thinking about it, and I want to continue to think about it. Maybe challenge one another. I, I saw Alex at the door, and I said, to live as Christ. And he looked at me like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> right? He didn't know what I was going to say. To live as Christ. Stop thinking about yourself. You're, what it looks like is to live is you. And that's what it's all about. And you, can, you know what I'm talking about when it's all me. And you look at me and you go like, man. And you go, I want to go somewhere else. If I got up here and just moaned and whined and cried about me, 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 my, my, my. I, me, me, mine. Blah, blah, blah. You go, yes, I'll continue to look for another church. To live as Christ, I, w- I want that transforming joy, that life-bearing truth. And I want people to know about it. That's what I want. I'm not saying that's what I am. That's what I want. But we can pray about it. You have not because you ask not so often. To live as Christ. To die as gain. So he says to live as Christ and to die as gain. The second half of that for, for the believer now. Keep in mind that all this is for the believer. It's not for the unbeliever. The unbeliever can't, can't say to live as Christ, can't say to die as gain. For the unbeliever to die is lost, 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 separated from God for eternity. But for the believer to live as Christ and to die is gain. To gain means more, means better. Thank God it doesn't mean more of what we have now, because if we're living in kind of this, this bummer kind of thing, uh, you could say, well, you know, I like being on a bummer because when I die and go to be with Jesus, the, the contrast is going to be so incredible that, you know, it's going to make it even better. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, that's true, Right? If we're living like to live as me and then we, we go to be, because we're born again, we go to be with him, it's going to be a bigger contrast. But, but that's not what he came to give us here. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly to the full. Here and now, not just when we get there. Notice, too, that he says to die is gain. It's that, that death is not something that Paul feared at all, but actually he looked forward to it. He looked forward to death because it was going to be more. Um, Forgive me for uh, mentioning 
Bill Kinneman one more time, but, but I've, I've quoted this before, that the night before he died, that he quoted this verse. I'll never forget it. And, and, and he also pointed towards the sky. And it was the last message I heard from Bill, to live as Christ, to die as gain. You know, that, that we could get to that place when we're, when, we're, when we're just about there. And we say, to live as Christ, to die as gain. I'm, 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 look, I'm looking forward to it. I'm ready. To live as Christ, to die as gain. Paul goes on to explain, verse 22. He says, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. He says, if I'm going to stay here living, to live as Christ, living for Christ, for Jesus, he said, there's going to be fruitful labor. In, in, in other words, there's going to be a purpose in it. There's a reason for me to stay. He said, what shall I choose, though? What, I, I don't know. And, and um, you know, he, he talks like that, but was it really his choice? It, it's God's choice, Right. We, we kind of think we can take it in, into our own hands and, and that, but really it is, is according to God's plan, God's timetable, as the psalmist said, my times are in your hands. Of course, we do have our preferences. I, in my life, there are times when I say, you know what, I, I want to go. And there are times when I say, you know what, I don't want to go. I want to stay because of what's going on or what's not going on. He says in verse 23 there, he says, I'm torn. I'm torn between the two. I desire to, to depart and to be with Christ, Christ, which is better by far. He had these two, and, and he, he thought about them, and, and he said, you know, my, I have this thing. I'm torn. I want both. He says, I, de I desire to depart and to be with Christ. Someone, someone talked about it as being homesick for heaven. I, I wanted to go. And, he, and, and this man said before he died, I'm homesick for heaven. He says, it's the hope of dying that has kept me alive this long. That's interesting. It's the hope of dying that's kept me alive this long. I want to go home. I want to be with Jesus, he said. And, and I want you to see that, that when we die, we will instantly and and. And right then, be in the presence of Jesus. Turn back to 2 Corinthians again. I should have had you keep a marker in there, but it's so close. Only three books back. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 through 8. He says, Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith and not by sight. And we are confident, and I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please Him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. He says, you know, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And when you and I leave this earth, when, we, when we, our spirits leave these bodies, we're going to be with the Lord. That's why Jesus said to the thief on the cross, this day you'll be with me. And, and, and for you and I, that's what is there's no such thing as soul sleep. We immediately go to be with him. So, so Paul knew what it was going to be. He talked about in 1 Corinthians being face to face with Jesus Christ when, when you and I leave this body. He says we, we kind of got a picture now of Jesus, but it's pretty, it's pretty cloudy. But he says then I'm going to see face to face. 
Notice he says, which is better by far. No offense meant, he says, but there's no comparison. I like you, and we've talked about the fact he loved these people immensely, but there's really no comparison. You, him, it's got to be him for Paul. I desired and depart to depart and to be with Christ. But, he says in verse 24, the second thing that he was torn between the two, he says, it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. It's more important for you. It's a necessity for you that I remain in the body. He really cared about these people, and they needed him, which makes him torn between the two. And verse 25 says, convinced of this, what, that it was important for him to stay, he says, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. He was convinced that he was going to stay and he would stay for a while. But I believe that it was God that convinced him that he, that he had work to do. And I, I believe God showed him. And, and, and uh, you know, when you and I are here, there, there is work for us to complete. Until it's done, you need to stay here. As much as you don't want to be here, as much as you look forward to being in heaven, Paul showed us by his example of being unselfish. Well, you know, I'll get there someday, but right now it's important for me to be here for you. For, for, for it might be for your family, or it might be for the people around you at work, or the people in your church, or the people at your school, or, or wherever it is that, that God can use you and God can, can, can bring your life as an example. Wherever it might be. He says, I have work for you to complete. Until that's done, you stay here. I told you when I saw my mom back in December, I told her I want to go home to heaven sometimes. And she's a lot closer to it than I am. She's almost 90. I don't know how old my mom is, to be honest with you. And the reason I say that, let me just tell you a little story. That reminds me of a story. When she came to this country, they lied about how old she was so they could get a cheaper fare on the boat coming over. So when they got there, they had to lie about her birth, her birth date. So I really don't even know when her real birthday is. They changed it to December 31st. You're glad you know that. <laughs> but my mom said to me, when I told her I wanted to go home to heaven sometimes, she says, you've got work to do. You have work to do. My mom's never been demonstrative about stuff like that, but that meant something to me. You've got work to do. And I wasn't even like really complaining about wanting to leave. I was kind of, like I said before, I just wanted to talk about heaven so her and I could talk about heaven. But she kind of rebuked me a little bit, said, you've got work to do. Don't even worry about that. Paul says, I know, convinced of this in verse 25, I know I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and join the faith. He wasn't thinking about himself. He knew what was ahead. He knew the gain that was there to live as Christ, to die as gain. But, but he said, I'm here to help you progress to to, to progress and, and find joy in your faith. 
That tells me, that gave me some, some things to, to think about for you here today. I want you to, I want you to progress too. I want to, I want to follow Paul's example. And if, if I can help you some way, somehow to go further, to go deeper, I talked about it in the last few weeks. God wants us to mature. He wants us to grow. He wants us to go deeper, to go forward, to go ahead. Not just be stuck in some little thing. And to help you find some joy. Some of you look miserable. (laughs) Week after week. Month after month. That's a little bit of hyperbole. Just a little bit. I can't even look at you right now. (laughs) But it's true. And some of you see that on my face, too, and you go, man, that guy needs to cheer up a little bit, you know. And some weeks I come in, and I'm just, like, feeling the weight of the whole world on my shoulders, and I go, i got to get through this. i got to. But, you know, my prayer has been for a long time, I don't want to come here and get through this. I want to come here and get into this. I want to enjoy it. I want to be together. I want to be happy. And when I walk away, I go, wow, I'm sad i got to leave. I'm the last one leaving the door, and I'm thinking, man, I wish the people were all still here. We're, we're still munching on them donuts and them, you know, drinking that coffee and, and all the rest of it. To help you find some joy, how through God's word, through fellowship, through worship, through having fun and, and singing music together and, and just finding some kind of perspective maybe, Help you look at things a little bit differently. See it from another angle instead of just the same angle that you see it from. Because we're in this thing together. I said that and I mean that. We're in this thing together. And our faith in Jesus is a common faith that we share together. And Paul wanted to help other people, not just himself and, and just what he wanted. Verse 26, finish there, he says, So that... Through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. That's interesting. Notice he said that through my being with you and on account of me, through, through Paul's life being there. And you say, well, well what, what did he have to, what, you know, what was so special about him? But, but in the middle of it, notice he says, your joy where? In Christ Jesus will overflow. And that's the same word he used previously about in his prayer that their love would would superabound or abound and super that your that your joy in Christ Jesus would superabound on account of me. You see, Paul knew uh, I, I read this in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul said, you know, that God had called him to do certain things and he says, but it's by the grace of God I am what I am. Because I used to I used to persecute the church. This isn't what I am. He said, God is making me what I am, and God has put a calling in his life to do what he was called to do, to be who he was called to be. So it's not really Paul. It's really God through Paul and God working through Paul. But Paul had to be there. I can't get away from this fact that we got to show up and we we got to be there, but, but it's not really us. It's God through us. Through our personalities, maybe, through our, 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 you know, our, the history and the stuff we've learned and gone through and all the rest of it. But it's really, our joy's got to be in Jesus. That's the J in the J-O-Y. 
Jesus, others, and yourself. And, and, and this is what is Paul. So I had to think about that in terms of myself. You know, what is, what is my impact on people? Are they, am I pointing to Jesus by my life and my attitude and my focus? Or am I just like bringing people down? And it's, it's just more about me. To live is me. To live is Christ. That your joy would overflow. Your joy in Christ Jesus would overflow. Of course, he knew that if he died, that what could he bring to them? He couldn't be with them. So he said, okay, I'll stick around for a little while longer. I'll, I'll be here. We don't know when the time is going to come, but I'm going to be here next week. I, I don't know about you folks. I'm going to be here next week. I'm going to be here Wednesday night. I'm going to be here as, as much as I can. And, and, and if you, you know... Uh, need some prayer for anything, there are people that will pray for you, that will be here for you after church, at other times. Put a prayer request in the box in the back if you like. We're in this thing together. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Just keep that in your heart and mind this week. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Joy in Christ Jesus, full life. To gain Someday we'll get there. But, but let's not focus on that. Let's focus on the first part, to live as Christ. One day we're going to find the gain, to be with him face to face, for the believer in Jesus. That's what we had to look forward to. But until then, to live as Christ. Let's pray together, shall we?